Greetings in Jesus' name, the one who is the head of the church. Okay, we can meet here as a, a brotherhood that loves the Lord and wants to serve him faithfully. What a privilege we have this morning to, to look into God's word. And I'm glad to see that you can each look up and look toward the speaker. It is very helpful when you know that there's interest in what's being said. And that's the way it is when we come to church. We want to hear from God's word, and we want to hear what he wants. We want to be strengthened in him. So what a blessing we have to be here this morning. So I'd like to start by looking at John 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12. Where Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, <clears throat> shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If, <clears throat> excuse me, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And what a beautiful scripture uh, Jesus said here that really is invigorating and inspiring to us as his children to uh, realize that when we we. When we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. And, but we're praying to God, but we're praying in Jesus' name. And what a blessing we have to go through Jesus, to our intercessor, to the Father, to bring our requests and our needs to him. And he said uh, there that what we ask in his name is for his honor and glory. And so uh, that's an uh, interesting criteria for prayer. No wonder, because uh, sometimes people sort of tend to take verse 14 and go run, get a little extra mileage out of that. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And uh, I have heard it said that sometimes people say, or preachers even say, you know, you, you serve Jesus and you follow him and he will make you prosperous materially. And... Uh, and, you know, just, just, just live and love Jesus. Friends, there's, there's things that's Protestant phraseology that's not biblical phraseology. And, and that's one of them. You know, if you follow Jesus, you will have a prosperous life. Uh, if you read the scripture, actually, it's indicative a fair, a fair bit that materially it might be quite to the contrary, actually. Because when a person's life is focused on Jesus, it's not focused on material things. And, uh, and so, but he said, because, uh, you know, your people, oh, I tell you, I, I'd like this and I'd like that. You know, and I don't know how long your wish list is. I don't know what all is on that wish list. Maybe you don't even have one. Maybe you have a long one. Uh, most of us have things we like. I've been around some youth before, and they love to have a Ram Dodge Pete pickup. I kind of thought it might be nice to have one myself sometimes. Uh, I do have need for a pickup, but uh, I'll be honest, I never, ever thought it was really wonderful to have a Ram Dodge pickup. They does have a special sound, I've noticed. I've noticed that, too. And if you have an ear for that sound, you know what? You could start longing and lusting for one. But you won't get that just because you ask for it. You might get it because you want it. I mean, you might, if you can afford it, you might be able to buy one. See, that's what some people say. You know, I, I, I want this. I, I, you know, I, I need a, a nicer this or that, you know. And, well, Jesus never said, 
that God may be glorified. Have you ever seen those Ram Dodge pickups and, and they're sitting in there and you can tell it's to the honor and glory of God? I mean, who's sitting side, behind the seat smiling or who's waxing that thing on Saturday? Yeah, that's who's getting the, uh, well, let's put it this way, they put a lot of attention into it, don't they? Who's getting glory? Well, see, in, here, in our lives, Jesus wants to get glory in all things. Yeah, that would be in all things. And what a blessing we have to live that way. What a blessing we have to have a God that says, look, you call unto me, you know, and you ask in my name, and I'll give you what you need to bring me honor and glory. Now, that's the best of life. That's the best we can have. No wonder that the psalmist said in Psalms 55, 17, he said, evening and morning at noon, that's all day. That's all day while I cried out, and he shall hear my voice. Isn't that wonderful? We know that we have a God, an almighty, all-powerful God, that wants to hear your cry. And what a privilege we have to have a God, know a God that is that way. Probably all of you know the verse of Jeremiah 33, 3. Does that ring any bells? Hopefully, if it doesn't, you ought to look it up and underline it, okay? It's an important verse for, your, for our spiritual walk. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, this is God speaking to his people, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, how long do we have to think when we ask God to be with us? Or to guide our steps. Or give us an opportunity to speak a word for him. Can you remember this? How long do you have to think? And he answered beyond your uh, fondest or wildest dreams. You know, has that happened to you recently? It does. It does. Uh, It's a privilege we have to call upon him. And he wants to answer in ways that we can't even imagine. It also, of course, correlates beautifully with Ephesians 3.20. says that. And, and that's the kind of God we serve. What a blessing to serve a God that, you know, you might ask for fish, but he knows you need something better than fish or different than fish. You know what I mean? In other words, he don't just give us what we ask for. A lot of times he gives us what we need to bring him glory. Okay? What, what a wonderful God we have. The disciples, when they were with Jesus a little while, they asked probably one of the most honorable inquiries that a saint could ask. Five important words. I don't hear it much anymore, but I think it's actually a need of Christendom today. Luke 11, verse 1, where it says, Lord, teach us to pray. Simple words, isn't it? Simple words, but it's a desire of the heart. It's a desire of the heart. Because us that were born and raised in Christian homes, you know, we know the right phraseology. We've heard it, you know. You hear a lot of times at the blessing at the meal, you hear the right phraseology. But they wasn't caring about that much about the right phraseology. They was caring about a heart for God, for Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. You know what? Because Jesus was a good example. It's interesting to note that before Jesus had 
any, of course he knew ahead of time, any monumental decisions, decisions or uh, things to do, he spent a lot of times all night in prayer. Did you ever notice that? When he chose his disciples, and you, you think, really think Jesus needed to tap into God to figure out who should be his disciples? I would have, we would have, but he didn't. But he spent time in prayer. He spent time in prayer every time. And uh, so it's the practice of prayer. You know, uh, he, Jesus knew how much it was needed, and God's children know how much it's needed. Well, I've heard people say, well, this is kind of a little area. But uh, I tell you, friends, if we are defeated in this little area, we are weak and we're losing ground spiritually, and we will live in defeat. We will live in defeat. Write it down, it'll happen. Because when we pray, it gives us a sense of direction and it gives us a source of power that just not anything does. You know, if we're a stranger to prayer, we're a stranger to the strength that God wants to give us to overcome the next temptation you're going to have. And, I, and, and next thing you know, we, we become powerless. And next thing we know, we hear Christians, oh, I'm struggling a lot. Well, that's sometimes very true that we struggle a good bit. But the fact is that Jesus... And God has the source and resources for us to have victory over sin where we don't need to be struggling all the time. In other words, we can be living in victory. We can be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And he wants that for every last one of his children. What a tremendous blessing to know that God has the power for you and me and we to overcome the temptation that's going to come to you this afternoon or tomorrow. And he will. Luke 18, 1 says, And he spake a parable unto them, To this end, that men are always to pray and not to faint. Now he did not say that you should pray just when you fall into temptation. Or when you know you're getting bombarded. Or you know when you're struggling with a bad attitude, which you should pray. That's for sure. But he didn't say just pray then. It's interesting. Notice he said men are always to pray. Hmm. Is that my lifestyle? And not to faint. So he's con contrasting that to fainting. You know, I was around a man one time, and he came to Bethany, actually. He was a Bethanyite, just like you. You're a Bethanyite. And uh, he came on a regular basis, and he said, then he said, kind of mockingly, I know it's in his heart, you know, and somebody said, well, maybe we should pray about Yes, and he said, has God has it really come to that? Well, that's sometimes the way we look at it, but that's not what God wants. See, faint, not, uh, we ought to pray and not to faint. I don't know if you feel like you fainted recently spiritually, but faint means weak, fail, be weary. Now, I'll be honest. I don't have to look too many months down the road and I struggle with fainting. I'll tell you the truth. Maybe, I don't know. I hope you have it. But I have. I mean, be worried spiritually. Hey, get on the front lines. <laughs> and there's real war, I'll tell you. 
And I tell you, see, but he's saying, look, you don't need to faint. You don't need to be worried in your spiritual walk. You don't need to be down and under all the time. He said, I tell you, friends, you can pray to Jesus, to God through Jesus on a regular basis, and you can be strong in the Lord. Now, I know we do uh, promote reading the Bible a lot. At least I hope we do. Because you're not going to make it spiritually if you don't, okay? But this is part of the package of fellowshipping with God, okay? We read His Word and we get input on the sense of direction in our life. We definitely do. Without it, you will lose your compass, your spiritual compass, okay? But see, God also wants us to pray and, and speak to Him and confess our sins, acknowledge our need of Him. What a blessing we have. No wonder the songwriter said, Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change my night today. And when life gets dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. Prayer will change your night today. Amen? Sila. Maybe we ought to think about that a little bit. You've ever had a bad day? You don't have to go back too many years to think of a bad day. Praise God. If you're having a bad day, which we do sometimes, which we do, sometimes it's just a day of testing. Sometimes it's a day of reaping what we've sown. That's a bad day too, in my opinion. But realize that I can get on my knees and come to Jesus and he'll turn that bad day into a good day with him. I praise God that's what God wants. It's our privilege to do that, be that way. One of the, of the devil's main concerns is to keep us as Christians off our knees. Mark it down. He, he, he cares nothing about prayerless Bible studies, prayerless church work, prayerless mission work, prayerless church services, prayerless family reunions. He cares nothing about that because he knows that you're not going to have the grace of God that you need. It has been said that Satan laughs at our toil and mocks at our knowledge, but trembles when we pray. I don't know if that's exactly true, but I know one thing. It does make a world of difference. So, I've heard it said, the devil trembles when the weakest saint is on their knees. You know why? Because it shows that, that we as mankind are dependent on Jesus. It shows that. And aren't we that way? I mean, really, can, can a man guide his steps right on his own? No. Scripture says no. And yet, so we know to have victory today, have victory tomorrow. To know what you know, I heard people, oh, I wish I knew the will of God. Hey. Between reading and supplication before God, you can get a sense of direction. See, God don't want life to be that rough for his children. Really, he doesn't. In fact, the thing is, it's just there for our, for, for our usage. Prayer is one of the most untapped resources that Christians have. Prayer is one of the most untapped 
resources that a Christian has. Now, I'm not saying it's in your life. I'm just talking about in general, okay? Uh, you know, because it's there. God wants to help us. He wants to lead. We are needy creatures. And once man sees himself as he is, and that is needing a Savior, but also needing one to guide their steps, to help them overcome sin, to help them live above temptations, once we realize that and live that way daily, friends, God will be with us. Jesus will guide us, and Jesus' grace can work in our lives to help us go from victory to victory. What a wonderful life Jesus has planned for all of his children. It, it's so beautiful. But so many times, we as mankind become very impatient and disappointed when the answers aren't right away. And I, I'm amazed at the impatience we as mankind show. I have seen people go to a fast food restaurant, and if the food wasn't ready, I mean within minutes or seconds, it seemed like, they's out the door. They would not wait a couple minutes for a meal. Impatience, impatience is incredible. Kind of gets close home. Because us as Americans aren't. I understand you go down to Puerto Rico and you want to go get parts. We go to town, come back an hour later. They go to town and they spend a day getting those parts, what I heard. Well, that would stretch our patience now, wouldn't it? Well, you know, we ask God to give us a sense of direction. And so many times we already have a sense of direction from the Word, but we just don't like what it says. Can I be painfully honest? And I hope you're not there, but I've been there. And so we ask for a second. You know, it's kind of like bailing. And keep asking, begging, you know. But, you know, we never ride the donkey in the ditch, do we? But maybe we do. Maybe that's why we had a bad day. Maybe we do. We just didn't recognize it. It's so easy to get impatient. So impatient. I understand most people feel like there's three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and later. But God would want us to know that there's a fourth one. And this one gets close home, and that is, I'm not going to answer you. You know that? You know that? And all of them is... When we're doing things that are unbiblical, stubborn, hard-hearted. You're the people stubborn as a mule. That's said of Christians. I've heard it said of Christians. Stubborn as a mule. Okay. Zechariah 11, 7, verses 11 13 says, But they refused to hearken and pulled away their shoulders, stopped their ears, and that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it came to pass that as they cried and they would not hear, the prophets cried and the people would not listen. So as they cried, I would not hear, said the Lord of hosts. That's kind of challenging to me. Instability. Instability. Wishy-washy people people that like to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Instability. James 1, verses 6 to 8. Let him, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. And let not that man think 
he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in his ways. So that means when I tend to just get a little lukewarm or unstable or I slipped up a little bit, I'm in a precarious position. Self-indulgence or self-gratitude. The American way that gets real close home. James 4, 1 to 3 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come in not this from the from even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye might consume it upon your lust. There's the pickup right there. Right there's the pickup. Or whatever else in that right. I, just, I mean that just because, just to use an illustration. Right there it is. When we ask things for our, that are for our own selfish pleasure, we're living in self-indulgence and gratitude. We don't expect to be answered. Broken vows. Broken vows. Jeremiah 11, verses 10 and 11. And they turn back to the iniquities of the forefathers which refused to hear my word and they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant which I have made with their fathers. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them which they shall not be able to escape and though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken to them. This is God speaking to his people. Disobedience. Disobedience. He that turneth his, uh, Proverbs 28, 9, sorry, I want to give reference. Proverbs 28, 9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. <clears throat> There's a number of things that are abomination in the scripture, but you know what abomination means? Even his prayer shall be an abomination. This, this really is an ear, a, a clincher, actually. It means God is saying the person that doesn't receive truth into their life, that they know they're reading it, they know they're hearing the word of God plainly, and they're not going to receive it, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Abomination means, God's saying, disgusting, abhorrence, idolatry, an idol. An idol. To realize that Christians, I mean people, could pray and say, oh, you know, I'm praying to God. And all it is, it's an idol. It's like praying with yourself. You know, Pharisee was that way. And sometimes, I'm telling you, friends, sometimes when we're not getting an answer, these are challenging. Sin. Sin. Psalms 66, 18. If I regard iniquity, listen closely, in my heart. God says, the Lord will not hear me. Just as short, I can't say sweet, but just as short and black as it is. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So when I have that covetousness in my heart, I have that lust in my heart, I have that vanity, I have that self-gratification in my heart, he says very plainly, I'm not going to answer you. I'm not going to answer you. 
You know why he let you know that? Some people say, man, that's really negative. Aren't you glad you know what sin is? <laughs> Aren't you glad that God didn't just say try to be good in yourself? No, he lets us know exactly where it's at because he wants to. you got to remember, God wants to answer your cry. When it's his honor and glory, you want your neighbor saved, God does too. You want to grow in your spiritual walk, God does when he wants that too. You want your children to become uh, followers of him, God wants that too. You want your, your the church family you're in to live uh, openly and honestly and truthfully a holy life before God, God wants that too. Okay? He wants to answer those cries. But let me tell you, friends, well, there is sin and God cares about that. So this is, actually, that's a short list. When I looked up the, the list of things why God won't answer you, friends, this wasn't half of them. Okay? But I thought this is the ones that, that you know, would speak to us, at least get us a start of the notion that God wants to answer your cry, but there's things that man does that keeps him from answering. And so I'm, but I'm glad that we can realize that God, and remember, that God always answers the cry of a repentant sinner. Okay? If you feel like God didn't get through to you, and all of a sudden he touches your heart and says, whoa, there's something there. And I just want us to know that option is there. Just want you to know that option is there. And uh, he says, you repent, Lord, forgive me. Through the blood of Jesus, forgive me. He will be answering then. He, he will be glad to forgive you of your sins. He's glad to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there's an interesting criteria for prayer. And it is in 1 Timothy 2, verse 8, where it says, And I will therefore that men will pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without Wrath and without doubt. Without doubt. So you can be unholy and you can teach Sunday school. You can be unholy and you can uh, be the superintendent. You can be unholy and you can lead songs. You can be unholy and you can teach uh, and you can counsel people. You can be unholy and preach. Uh, but you've got to be holy to pray. Isn't that amazing? You've got to be holy pray other than the sinner's prayer you know that's always so and i'm glad another's another bracket uh, any age bracket be a prayer warrior and i'll be the first to acknowledge when i was a youth i, I didn't near pray what i should I, i'm so blessed i am so blessed that god led my steps in many ways not that i didn't flounder and make many many mistakes that was for sure but the important decisions I made, even though they was they was bathed in prayer, but it was manual prayer. I don't know it was manual prayer. That God blessed in so many ways. I am totally impressed by how much God wants to lead us. I, I'm totally impressed by that. But you know, regardless of age bracket, <clears throat> and I am glad that we know that youngsters need prayer. Now, youngsters don't generally know that, but us oldsters know that. <laughs> That you do, because you're making a lot of major decisions in life that's going to affect your eternity. Who you marry has a lot to do with where you're going to be when you're an old person. How you raise your children has a lot to do with where you're going to be too, by the way. Your grandchildren there. You, 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 I tell you, friends, that, that you, we need lots of prayer. And uh, in your middle age, you know that too, because you're making decisions and and you're starting to see the price of sowing and reaping a little bit. And you're starting to get the drift, hopefully. If 
how important it is. Then elderly people, I've heard some people say, well, I'm an old person. I really can't have to do anything. They don't even use me to teach Sunday school or this or that. Let me tell you, uh, many a church has been radically changed because elder people praying continually. I tell you, friends, if you're older, and I don't know when that comes because older gets older all the time. I mean, gets higher or whatever you want to call it. And uh, prayer can make a world of difference in the life of your life and the life of the church. It can make a world of difference. I tell you, in fact, there's been some tremendous revivals, and it's well documented that it's been because of, of one or two saints on their knees continually for revival. I tell you, friends, that's still needed today. Revival is still needed today. What a blessing we have to be able to pray. God wants to hear the cry of his children. No wonder he says in Isaiah 65, 24, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Have you ever had that happen? It's amazing. You pray, and here you find out God was already making the provisions for your dilemma to be worked out even before you pray. That's what God wants. That's what God wants to do. What a blessing to know that God wants what's best for his children. He wants to give us what we need to grow spiritually. No wonder we sing. What a friend we have in Jesus. And friends, he's more than a friend, but he is a friend. That's for sure. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And we like that first half, but is that second half our practice? Makes all the difference, friends. It makes all the difference. So what a tremendous provision to live above our circumstances. You know, some people get all, man, I mean, if you had my life, well, God bless you. God knows your life, and he can help you live above your circumstance. Friends, if, you're, if we're here waddling in our circumstances, if that gives me some excuse to pout and fuss and complain, let's look above them to Jesus. He has a better answer. Amen? He has a better answer. You can live above your circumstances in Jesus. No wonder he says, rejoice in all things. Did Paul not know what he was saying? That was inspiration from God to us today. That you can rejoice in everything. You know why? Every time a Christian faces troubling times, and which we sure do, because nobody's going to float in heaven. You're going to be tested and tried if you're ever going to make it to heaven. Yeah, and that can be a bad circumstance. A lot of times it is, by the way. You know, so he's bringing that for our good, for our refinement, to help us know what? How much we need him. That's what he wants us to know. He wants us to remind us how much we need him. And the, and the quicker and the more from the heart we realize it and practice that, the more blessed life we can have. No no. Body is stronger spiritually than their prayer life. Nobody is stronger spiritually than their prayer life. See, prayer is a source of power. 
And we thank God we can be connected. We can do his will. We can obey him and follow him. No wonder them disciples cried out, Lord, teach us to pray. Earnestly, like David did, he said, Oh, God! He was just beseeching the throne of grace. No wonder he said in Isaiah 64, verse 1, Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens, and thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. Praise God, that's what he wants us to have. See, burdened people pray. Isn't it wonderful that we can be burdened about spiritual issues in our life or in our church or in our family, in our community? I mean, that's good for starters. <laughs> you really, if we thought seriously about that, how many prayer concerns would we have? It's a laundry list. I can tell you it's a laundry list. It's long. Uh, uh, because people say, well, you know, I don't have much to pray about. And all I say is, open one eye halfway. And you have plenty to pray about. See, burdened people pray. They care about what's going on spiritually. And I, and I will admit, the more I walk with God, the more I strive to be in His likeness, and the more I care about holy things and hate sin, the more I have to pray about it. I really do. And I'm glad for that. He, he cares about us. He, he cares how we live. He, he, he wants... Cast your care upon him. Have you ever had that? I mean, you got to be, or any of you, so burdened. And you know how you, you know how you cast your care upon him. Pray to him, Lord. I can't handle this. That's true. Lord, I need you to intervene to bring your will done. That's true. I mean, all we got to do is just verify some facts and gives us a long way. Lord, I'm gonna give the situation to you. You know where I'm wrong. I want to acknowledge it. Wherever, work it out for your glory. Amen. God's saying, finally, I got him where I wanted him. We hate getting there, but friends, we need to get there quickly. The quicker we get there, the more God can work in our lives and make us a blessing for his glory. Tell you, friends, it takes a lot of effort to be a person that is strong in prayer and intercessory prayer for our brothers and sisters. I sometimes go to a church, and, and there's one brother that typically makes a prayer concern. Let's pray for each other. I tell you, God's saying, you've got it, brother. You've got it. You need the prayers of your saints, and I do too. We all do. We already do. Especially your leaders, but you need it too. We all need it together. Samuel said in 1 Samuel 12, 23, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. Now, what would he be doing? God forbid that I would sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and right way. Oh, he was saying, if I neglect the intercessory prayer for my brothers and sisters, you don't need to read between the lines, do you? It's blunt. Hey, we're failing the grace of God. I praise God that brotherhoods that love each other and care about each other, they are glad to pay for their fellow brothers. And you don't always need the ones that are struggling, friends. The ones that think they're, I mean, they're, that are living great, <laughs> quotes on top, but they need your prayers because the devil loves to take anybody down. Yes, God wants to deliver us. No wonder it says in Psalms 34, 15 and 17, 
It says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Now, do you know what A-L-L means? Uh, it means all, okay? Now, I kind of wonder if maybe they didn't do a mistranslation. But see, they won't live in their troubles. They can live above their troubles, like I've already stated. Okay, there's a world of difference of living under your troubles or above them. Amen? There's a world of difference, and it's Jesus. Uh, the Lord is open to our cry. He wants to cry. Okay, this is crying. This isn't a low-profile uh, prayer on the run. This is diligent, fervent warfare prayer, okay? This is really... Uh, this is actually getting serious about your Christian walk. I say that in satire because I wonder if God. I wonder if He viewed us as serious Christians by how much we pray, what He would say. See, Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Now, would he call Bethany a house of prayer? Would he? Oh, so we have prayer meeting, don't we? See? And I think y'all do great at going to come to the prayer meeting. Okay, friends, when Christians that love to pray get an opportunity to pray collectively, they consider it a privilege. They want to be there. It would take divine intervention not to be there. There's something wrong with a Christian that don't want to come to prayer meeting when the church doors are open. Something, there's something bad wrong. And so they love prayer meeting. Keep prayer meeting. Keep prayer vital in your life, and then prayer meeting will stay vital, okay? Don't shrink prayer meeting down to a little whatever part of, of the prayer meeting service, friends. There are some churches that get together on prayer meeting, and they pray all evening. Yeah, it is, is that radical? I think that maybe they've got a grip on what prayer is worth. I think they've got a grip on it. Yeah, saints love prayer meeting. They love to go to church, pray in collective. You know why? Because I think Jesus is saying, and we need to take it seriously too, my house, the body I live in, is going to be a house of prayer. No wonder he said continually in prayer. Yeah? Well, we sing some interesting songs. At least we used to. I don't hear about them anymore. One of them is, hey, try to think about the last time you sang this. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. I heard that for years. Well, maybe there's a reason why. Wouldn't it be a sweet hour if we prayed for an hour? What could God do in our lives individually if we spent an hour in prayer? Oh, we even sing another song. I think I've heard this one. I love to steal a while away. From every cumbering care and spend the minutes, maybe a stretch, maybe. You know what the song says? And spend the hours of setting day. An humble, grateful prayer. I've heard a question asked, you do. Sometimes we, I'll just say, fudge on the truth when we sing. That's what God would want from his people. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. Friends, if we want to grow spiritually, we will be, we will love communicating with God. 
of his poem. It says that sometimes the way mankind is tempted. I knelt to pray, but not for long. I had too much to do. Must hurry off and get to work for bills would soon be due. And so I said a hurried prayer, jumped up from off my knees. My Christian duties now were done, my soul could be at ease. All through the day I had no time to speak a word of cheer, no time to speak a word of Christ to friends. They laugh at me, I feared. No time, no time. Too much to do, this was my constant cry. No time to give to those in need, at last was time to die. And when before the Lord I came and stood with downcast eyes, within his hands he held a book, it was the book of life. God looked into his book and said, Your name I cannot find. I once was going to write it down, but never had to t- never found the time. Brings out a valid point. You know, we do what's important. If you that love food, we uh, you know, how many meals did you miss yesterday because you didn't have time? Mm-hmm. None. <laughs> All right. Because we do what's important to us. I understand the average Christian prays several minutes a day. Several minutes a day. You know, a good blessing, blessing at the meals would do that, cover that. And they probably don't even do that anymore. You know how much preachers pray? Just double that. About five, six minutes a day, preachers. Now, I know that should never be once named among us, as the Scripture says. No wonder there's so many prior, uh, powerless sermons. They get it sounds like something you get off the internet because there's not enough prayer. We do what's important to us. See, prayer shows a love and a desire to follow Jesus. Yeah, people say they love Jesus, and Jesus says, "Why don't you talk to me?" You know. I think we've all had friends. And, uh, you know, when a friendship is good, you, you talk every now and then, at least once, if not twice a week. If you're a good friend with somebody, and now texting, my, several times a day, you know, you've talked. I mean, you haven't really communicated, but you, you got with them anyhow. And, uh, and that's the way friendships are. You, you, there is contact. You want that. But, you know, have you ever noticed when when, when when you was relating on a regular basis and then start slowing down about once a week, then after a while, it's only like once a month. You know that friendship is dying, don't you? Yeah, you know it's dying. And so I wonder, you know, when we know we should pray, and we have our good spells, hopefully, how about letting a good spell last forever? It didn't change, did it? You know, all of a sudden we got too busy. And what else do we use? What a privilege to pray. So God would say, have you kept your appointment today? What did he ask us? Yes, no wonder God commands us to continue in prayer. Uh, that's Colossians 4.2. Romans 12.21 says, be instant in prayer. Oh, man, that's just instant food, instant strength, instant answer. You know what instant means? Instant in prayer means to be earnest, to persevere, to be constantly diligent. Now, modern Americans, do we get the drift of what it means to be instant in prayer? That's what God wants. Prayer shows dependence and humility on one that is our God. It shows one that can handle our problems. That one that has a, uh, has a plan for you and me that 
is beautiful that you couldn't even do yourself. And so we're depending, God, help me be what you want me to be. Give me opportunities to be a blessing. Work in that circumstances. There's a lot of things that keep us from being prayer wars the way we should. I'm going to tell you the two that fits me, okay? Because I let God speak to me. Number one is, I'll just tell you what it is, spiritual laziness, okay? I'll say it like my father would tell me if you're getting lazy because he would say it with some, um, okay? You know, we don't hear that much. But the truth of it is when I, when, when I or we get busy doing mundane things, or even good things, I will add, and we don't pray, we're becoming spiritually lazy. And if that doesn't work, it, that works for me, covers a lot of my problems, it's pride. You know, I, life is going pretty good. You know, it, you know, I, I know how to respond, and you know, and I really, we would never say it. But when we don't pray, we're leaving God out. We're leaving God out. And you know what, friends? You shouldn't put your feet on the floor beside your bed in the morning without asking God to lead your steps. I tell you, this world is a dangerous place. And it's not safe to even get up and start moving around without being God conscious. And the best way to be God conscious is pray to Him. I'll tell you, uh, you know, aren't you glad that we can pray on the run? You can pray in bed. Oh, we miss a lot of mileage. We couldn't do that. We can pray milking cows. You can pray washing dishes. Yeah, hanging clothes out. Driving a tractor, driving a pickup, a truck, yeah. Uh, you can, can you pray and work at CLP, Davey? I hope so. I mean, I'm sure you can. Um, but see, friends, God doesn't want that to be our only. That, that's a, the continuation of a prayer. He wants us to have a real time with Him. No one who says in 2 Chronicles 7 14, if my people. And don't you wish he had said, since my people? This should be automatic. Nothing's automatic. It's right. Do you ever notice that? This is warfare. You know that? The devil don't want you to pray today. He don't want you to pray tomorrow. But God wants us to pray continually. Because he knows we need him. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then. Not till then. Then. After that. They pray the way they should. Well, I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Heal their land. Thank God. God wants to heal us spiritually. He's such a good God. No wonder he promises Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Radical Christians for Jesus. They love being a fervent prayer warrior. Lord, teach us to pray. Shall we bow our heads in prayer?